Free Talk Live, and you're welcome to join us here. The number, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Ian. It's me, Bonnie. And Aria. Of course, we'll take your calls and your thoughts about whatever's on your mind. Coming up, more of the insanity out there in Australia. We got some, we've got some audio for you. Man, they are, they are crazy out there in Australia. They are crazy, but you know that may be coming here next. You know, this coming winter because it is winter time there, so they're all revved up due to it being flu season, and of course. You know, some people are sick, although the percentage of people is very, very small. We can get into that. I've actually got a, a post uh, here from somebody who's in Australia who's, you know, looking at the numbers there. But before we get to that, um, the big news, I think, is Afghanistan. And yeah. uh, Joe Biden, I guess, gave a speech today talking about his decision. He stands squarely behind his decision, as he should. This is, you know, the right thing to do in this particular case. It's 20 years too late. But, you know, better late than never. Uh, Unfortunately, we can no longer call Donald Trump the most peaceful president in our lifetimes because it was actually Biden who he has finished ended the, job. the yeah. war in Afghanistan. Well, to be fair, Trump started the process and Biden didn't stop it. He continued the process. I still True. have an issue with saying most peaceful. Can we say, like, least unpeaceful or something? Well, <laughs> yeah, we don't know how many bombs he's dropping elsewhere. So, you know, we're going to have to wait and see on sure. whether or not he is more peaceful than uh, than Trump. And remember, now that he's got these troops back from Afghanistan... He could very well deploy them right here in the United States. That's what a lot of people are, are suspecting is going to happen. I don't lean toward that. I, I lean toward the United States is probably gearing up for a larger conflict, perhaps with Elsewhere China or in the Russia. World? Ooh, I hope you're wrong about that because I, I suspect mean, we're going to see the big one soon, man. Look at how bogged down they got in Afghanistan, and they were up against well, they dudes in caves. I mean, yeah, but they weren't really trying to win in Afghanistan. I mean, if they really wanted to win, they could have just dropped some nukes and been done with it, right? They they weren't fighting a war in any realistic sense. Sure. They were they were like the dad playing basketball oh. with their kid, doing it with one hand to keep it interesting. Okay, I, I agree with Arya, and 1984 made me realize that wars aren't supposed to be a fight to win. It's just an ongoing thing to well, keep everybody in, to keep control of everybody. Okay, but wait, you, if you want to win, then you have to define what those terms are. You're saying dropping nukes on Afghanistan would be considered a win. Well, not if you want, like, oh, I don't know, some infrastructure remaining to take over, or you know, if you want want if you want people to be alive to rule over. Normally, when you know, like Genghis Khan or whoever, you know, they'd they'd come in and and destroy and you know go to war with various different places. They'd destroy the men. But they'd yeah. keep the women around so they could rape them and, and have babies and, you know, force their viewpoints or whatever. But see, this wasn't about conquest. It was about sparring. It was about keeping the military in tip-top shape so that it could be deployed elsewhere. It was about it the military-industrial complex is what it was about and sending money to, you know, the aircraft manufacturers and the bomb makers and all the other politically connected sure. Uh, people for the last 20 years i mean they they want to drop bombs so they can make more bombs they want to supply well, so they uniforms. can have a reason to come up with better bombs all that too is my suspicion i mean it's sort of like a preseason game you know they, they don't want to go out there and play at 100 percent strength against a foe that they that they could actually lose against so they picked one that they could 
they couldn't possibly actually lose against. I mean, look at the death tolls. They're staggeringly different in both Iraq and Afghanistan with the American military losing, you know, a few thousand and these other military losing hundreds of thousands. So it was never a war that they realistically had any chance of losing, the U.S. government, I mean. So they, they didn't care if they didn't actually annihilate the enemy as long as the enemy fought back and gave them an excuse to continue building bigger mm-hmm. and better weapons. So that they were ready when it was time to take on China or Russia or whoever I don't they know. planned to fight. I think you're giving them too much credit. I mean, there's no doubt that the United States government has got a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. Well, they create the money, right? Yes. And well, of course, so does every other most of the developed worlds, you know, print their own money. They've got plenty of money. They spend it on the military. It's got the largest military, larger than I don't know, what was it like the top six other countries in the world combined or something like yeah, it's that. An it's an insane amount it's of huge. money. It's huge. But bigger isn't necessarily better. I mean, would you deny that they tried to win in a, in a Vietnam? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they lost. Oh, okay. Sorry, I I, I answered incorrectly. Uh, no, they didn't try to win. They didn't try to win. No, the wars of engagement made it clear they weren't allowed to do obvious things like fire at um, North Korea missile batteries unless they were known to be operational and things like that. The, the rules were designed so that they couldn't win. It was just meant to be perpetual. And then they finally got that in Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, they sure seem to be trying a whole hell of a lot, uh, you know, harder there. They're burning villages down and you know, killing uh, children and women and things like that. So, yeah, sure. And Agent uh, Orange and all of those yeah. horrific things. I mean, I mean that's but that, a lot that, worse. Yeah, right. It, it was it was worse. There were more civilian deaths in Vietnam. But I believe. generally, you don't want to drop a nuclear weapon on the place that you're warring with because it scorches the earth, right? Like there's nothing to take. There's no spoils of war. Well, you wouldn't in have that to case. just like with Japan, they didn't have to nuke all of Japan to get Japan mm-hmm. to unconditionally surrender. They wouldn't have had to, you know, level well, what the is entire it? Well, country. On. Afghanistan. Like the government of Afghanistan was surrendering or whatever. Like they were, okay, you know, you win. Okay, here's the palace. We'll do whatever you want. We're in charge. You're in charge of us. Oh, you've rebuilt our airport. Great. Or whatever, right? Like, so, like, officially, the U.S. government was working with the government of Afghanistan. Yeah, but they the weren't Taliban, working with the real government, which was the Taliban. Yeah, but the Taliban isn't going to just, if you blow up Kabul or whatever, the Taliban's going to be like, okay. You know, we're over here in our caves. You're not going to blow all that up. Well, nuke the, they could have they, they could have done this. I mean, it would have been better you, for them to nuke the mountains instead of nuking Kabul, right? What makes you think that they want Afghanistan anyway? Well, heroin. Is, well, heroin is there. Is there oil in Afghanistan, too? I'm sure there is. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise. I don't know for sure. I, 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 can't, I, not, I mean, I'm not if, positive. if they wanted it, why wouldn't we be in control of the part so that we were in Why wouldn't the United States be like, we own this part now that we control. Now we own this part, you know, like. Well, interesting. Well, a lot of the military bases were built along a pipeline that was proposed by someone. And I, I don't remember the details, but a lot of military bases were built along that pipeline route. And the pipeline mm-hmm. for oil did, in fact, get built. A lot of it had to do with the fact that Taliban had pretty much destroyed the opium industry in Afghanistan. And, of course, the CIA and the U.S. government weren't happy about that because that decreased the flow of heroin, which, you know, they use in black market deals to fund secret wars and things like secret prisons. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had uh, Silver Dave on the show. He was in the, uh, I think it was, what was it, Special Forces. I believe he was in the Special Forces. And he was talking about guarding poppy fields out there guarding marijuana fields even really uh, out there and i mean so, there were pictures all over the internet of u.s soldiers yeah, guarding poppy fields there sure were 
So, I mean, that was a real thing. And, you know, somebody was making money on that. Sure. Somebody somewhere down the chain. So, you know, there's just no reason to do that. Number one, because of the military industrial complex. And number two, you don't get anything out of it if you just destroy the entire place. Now, obviously, with China and Russia, those are nuclear countries. So you don't they wouldn't ever use nuclear weapons against those countries because it would be mutually assured destruction. Right, which is all the more reason for the U.S. government to pick an enemy that they could fight that they shouldn't, that wouldn't just nuke, because they need to know how to fight without the use of nuclear weapons. So you think this was a training exercise? Essentially. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how to see it any any other way. Hmm. I mean, there were were the poppy fields and the oil and all, but I think all of those things were sort of just side effects of the quote-unquote victory over the last 20 years where they were able to exploit their resources for a period of time and that was fortunate for them but it wasn't really the goal it was incidental well it'd be interesting to hear from somebody in the military or who was in the military over the last 20 years and get your opinion on this uh the number here is 603-283-6160 what was really going on uh in afghanistan if you want to weigh in you're certainly welcome to do so but uh, joe biden says that he's standing squarely behind his decision to withdraw u.s forces from afghanistan And this was in a speech today. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Plus, Ron Paul is weighing in as he uh, should be because he was right the whole time. I can't see Joe Biden suddenly actually changing his mind and wanting peace. So it would make sense if this is all just to pull us out, put us in a different country. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Your thoughts are welcome. And then we'll get into the insanity in Australia with more COVID crackdowns. You are no longer allowed to drink. Well, we'll tell you. This is Free Talk Live, the number for you if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. That is where you can go to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Get over to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started there at the top of the page, and you'll find lots of information, including videos that you can watch to get the basics, uh, and go deeper than the basics if you want to, over at Bitcoin.com. They've also got a great news site, so if you want to get the latest news headlines every single day from the world of cryptocurrency, they've got them over at news.bitcoin.com. That's news.bitcoin.com. We are talking about the withdrawal, finally, from Afghanistan, and you know, it's ugly. Uh, there are literally people grabbing a hold of the airplanes, the U.S. military, the Air Force jets, or whatever big old C 130, I don't know what they call them, the big cargo planes that are coming out of there. Literally, there are people on the tarmac at the airport running in front of and behind and like grabbing onto the wings grabbing onto the fuselage grabbing onto wherever they can get a handhold basically because it's it's insane yeah and then these planes are actually taking off and people are holding on well until they can't anymore until they can't anymore they probably don't realize how cold it gets at you know twenty seven thousand feet and you can just hold on to anything for you know like 
three hours like that. It would be anyway. very difficult. I yeah. mean, three hours. No, these. I mean, these are probably going across the Atlantic, unless they're like flying to Germany or something or like first, Kuwait or something. Probably. Yeah, where there's another. There may be another pit stop at another military base, but uh, I suspect I most get... people will be falling off, and they are. There's video of people falling off it's these planes. It's horrifying to watch. But what I don't get is that they were willing to risk their lives, you know, for freedom or whatever their cause would be. Why weren't they willing to risk their lives fighting against the Taliban return? Well, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And, uh, you know, again, this is my I'm I've never been to this place. I'm I've not been in the military. I don't know what things are like there. But as I understand it, some of these people worked with the government. Right. So right. like they were working for the United States government as, say, translators, for instance, maybe they'd go out with. Uh, the military on whatever missions they were going on and they were there to translate. So that's one example. Who knows? They might have had them in offices translating there or whatever, right? Sure, so, but if they're willing to, you know, hang on to a jet or run out in front of a jet as it's taking off, I mean, willing to die, hmm. why weren't why they... fight? Yeah. Why not just, you know, Maybe grab one Maybe because of the... dying from, uh, you know, a lengthy fall is better than having some uh, Taliban killer uh, your chop head your head off. off. Dying is dying for the most part. I don't think I would want to have my head chopped Maybe off. Maybe they that just would be think faster. No. Maybe they just think these planes are going to stop and land and let them on or something. I, I don't think that would be faster. I mean, I'm look again. Isn't death I'm not by decapitation ex- pretty much like instant? Have you ever watched any of these videos? Don't do it. No, I tend to avoid okay. stuff like that. It's not instant. Okay, Th- this isn't a guillotine that they're rolling out. Okay, this is sawing away at your neck with a knife yeah and plus they'll they'll like torture you for hours before that days before that or maybe they'll set you on fire i saw a video where they did that once uh they they had a man in a cage and just set him on fire i've only ever had these things described to me by like my brother or something i've i would never watch them yeah, I I did um I did watch and I don't I don't like it I don't want to um, but this was several years ago when was we, this the book uh, Boko Haram one? no okay. no this was the it wasn't the Taliban it was uh, ISIS okay and they were capturing various different people that they were against and making propaganda films in high resolution uh, it was gr- quite grotesque it and, sounds like it um, ISIS which one are they are they Syria I. ISIS was supposedly what formed after the Taliban was. You know, oh no, ISIS was Iraq of. and Syria. That's right, because there they want to be called ISIL or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know where they are these days. I don't. I don't. Again, I don't keep close yeah. track of all that. And ISIL for Levant instead of Syria or something. To me, you know, it's more. I'm more concerned with the terrorists that are threatening my loved ones, and those are the people that are in Washington D.C. and the state government in New Hampshire. I mean, those are the real sure. terrorists. Those are the ones that are putting peaceful people like Ross Ulbricht behind bars for a double life sentence plus 40 years. They're threatening us with many years behind bars as well. But all that said. You got to give credit where credit's due, and Joe Biden has made the right decision in this case. There's not a lot I agree with him on, um, but this I I do agree with him on, and and so does so does Donald Trump. Or although I've heard Donald Trump's calling for Biden to resign over this, even though even though Biden's doing the exact same thing Donald Trump did, he's just finishing Trump's uh, task. Trump said he was going to pull out of Afghanistan. He started the process. He pulled some out. And Biden's pulling the rest out. Well, Trump has to go along with all the, uh, the far right Republicans and what they're saying right now, which is so crazy. I didn't even I never thought really it would happen again in my lifetime. Like it used to happen during George H.W. Bush, uh, 
where people on the right would be so war war crazy, but it's happening. H.W. or W.? Wait. Wasn't H.W. the, the younger one? one? Yeah. The younger one. W's the younger one, I think. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Uh, so Biden said Monday, according to the AP, he stands behind his decision, acknowledging the gut-wrenching images coming out of the country after the swift Taliban takeover of the government. And by the way, have you seen the picture of the Taliban dudes in like the Oval Office? They're putting one of the Oval Office over there, like the head. I will say, you know, I'm not happy with the result. I'm happy about the end of the war. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have preferred the Afghan people to maintain the government of their choosing. Mm -hmm. But that was never in the cards unless, you know, they actually stood up and resisted the Taliban in numbers significant enough for that to work. So, you know, the picture of those dudes sitting in that office, like the pres, whatever the presidential suite or wherever it was, like some head office there. It's like, okay, that's what an insurrection looks like. Dudes with machine guns (laughs) standing in, you know, some top level bureaucrat office not what happened successfully yeah that's not what happened in the united states on the january taliban? 6th the taliban, yeah, the taliban. Oh. yeah just a bunch of dudes with machine guns standing in this you know they have taken over they're in charge they have guns the people at january 6th none of those things were true no yeah Biden said he had to choose between sticking to a previously negotiated agreement to withdraw U.S. troops this year or sending thousands more service members back into Afghanistan to fight a third decade of war. Biden, sounding resolute in the face of withering criticism of his handling of the situation, said he chose the first option so as not to repeat past mistakes, reiterating he has no regrets. Quote, I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way. There was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. Yeah, the best choice would have been to never send them there in the first place. That would have been ideal. Well, maybe not ideal, but it would have been the best option out of the options available. Uh, of course, you know, plenty of people disagree with Biden's decision, but I think I think most people wanted this thing over. Good God, it, it was a, the longest war in American history. Is, Is that 20, true? I believe That's so. probably true, yeah. 20 freaking years of this nonsense. And look, look at the results. There's absolutely nothing to show for it. Although if you want to get technical, it wasn't actually a war because they never declared the war. The last war they declared was World War II. Yeah. The conservative closest to me in my life has just said, like, look, I don't think there should be dad. wars. <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't think there should be wars, but this is just going to leave us wide open. Oh, so he's in favor of staying in Afghanistan. I think so. Wow. What could we achieve in 30 years that they couldn't achieve in 20? And what is he when he says this is going to leave us wide open, what does that mean? He's probably repeating what somebody on Fox News H- said. How are we wide open by this war, quote unquote, ending? 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Brute force, intransigent defiance, adamantine will. These are the hallmarks of the AI tank. These gigantic machines have the firepower of an army, but they also have their own sense of honor and duty. When the world breakers arrive, battle will be joined, planets will shake, and war and peace will never be the same again. World breakers. Stories from David Weber, Larry Correa, and more. Available August 3rd from BaneBooks.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here. We're talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, Certainly support the idea, but... 
It's government, so of course it's ugly with people literally holding on to the military planes, leaving the airport and falling from a great distance in the sky. Um, I'm, I, from what I understand, the like the people that were there in Afghanistan that were helping the U.S. government, you know, they thought they could help this criminal enterprise and that they would be taken care of. And then what ended up happening apparently was the go- the government guys said to them, "Oh, well, you can leave, but you have to have a COVID test first before we'll let you on the airplane." Did you hear about this? I did not. Yeah. But this isn't the first time the U.S. government has done this. Apparently, they did the same thing in Vietnam. Well, they didn't require a COVID test, but what do you mean? They screwed their helpers over? Yeah. Yeah. There was some village village minority tribe. I don't remember the details because I just happened to Mm -hmm. see it at some point today where someone made the comparison. But yeah, uh, something like 25% of their population ended up getting slaughtered by the by the conquering North Vietnamese because the U.S. government was like, okay, thanks for the help. We're out. Good luck. Yep. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, you can't make an agreement with these people. Why would you trust a criminal mafia organization? They're not honorable. They will break whatever agreement they have. If they said they were going to do something for you and they don't, what are you going to do about it? That's why we should stop calling them the mafia. The mafia is relatively or- <laughs> relatively honorable, as I understand it. So do what they say. Yeah. Let's go you don't to have calls. to worry about them. Like, hey, you do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. They won't just shoot you in the back of the head. Let's go to Gabriel. He's on the uh, line here in Minnesota. Soda, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, thanks hey. for taking my call yes, again. Um, let's see. I wanted to just weigh in a little bit on the Afghan withdrawal of troops thing. Yeah. Um, it looks sort of to me, uh, the impression I get is that when the U.S. military gets involved in a country, they kind of hold everything back for, as far as the decisions of the actual populace goes. They kind of take control. The U.S. government takes control and says, oh, you can't do anything basically without us uh, giving our approval. First. Yeah, there's a puppet that they, they install usually. Yeah. And then obviously that doesn't that's not conducive to any uh, development of independence of any ability for the people to establish a stable system of their own. They just mm-hmm. become dependent on the U.S. system. Yep. Right. So then as soon as they uh, withdraw. Um, there's just this giant power vacuum, and then the no closest neighboring threat or power seeker just swoops right in and takes over, right? This is well, what we're seeing. Well, plus, um, I, I saw another video today that was ostensibly video of one of the training sessions by the U.S. military or their contractors or whoever it was with the Afghans, and it was like a joke. I mean, they weren't even doing proper jumping jacks. It what, was uh, That may have been the Iraq uh, one. Being, being you know, labeled as an Afghan video, but you've, there, you've there was several though? years ago an Iraqi jumping jacks video that was just. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe <laughs> how bad it was. It but. was so embarrassing, and it's like, have you seen this one, Gabriel? Oh yeah, uh, they just they're doing things like really silly somersaults or like running between a couple of rocks or something, and then just picking up their gun and then jumping over backwards yeah. and it's just really I say stupid. that but if it happened in Iraq it probably happened in Afghanistan yeah. as well and then calling this training you know oh yeah you guys <laughs> yeah. are ready for a fight <laughs> ridiculous uh, one one other thing as far as the uh the policy you know Trump uh, bashing Biden for doing this um I have heard rumors from some of my republican friends out there saying mm-hmm. that well Trump's approach was going to be more gradual they were going to actually establish some kind of structure before leaving whereas they claim 
Biden comes in and just yanks him out right away. I don't away, think so. Yeah, why out. didn't he then? He had four yeah. years. <laughs> I don't I don't trust that theory yeah. either. So Gabriel, anything else you want to share tonight? Uh one thought on, on cryptocurrency, if it's yeah, okay. Of course. Um just the concept of using the basically big bank uh exchanges and wallets, uh the the custodial wallets and um people going to that. I just saw a post on the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus mm-hmm. asking for advice on how to get a hold of crypto. And I saw a vast majority of people saying, hey, Coinbase and Binance and, mm-hmm. you know, Kraken and these things. The Libertarian so, Party Mises Caucus has people who don't know how to get their hands on cryptocurrency. That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Them. It was the overwhelming majority. So I was really I was really saddened by seeing that. Well, I was hoping there were people more, with more understanding. What would you that. suggest? Uh, I was I've only learned about crypto basically uh, from you guys. So essentially, I advocate as much as I can for non-custodial wallets and, if possible, decentralized exchange or purchase okay. in person. Well, so. OK, but but hold on. So one of the challenges of getting cryptocurrency is acquiring it without going through one of these centralized no, exchanges. It's not an easy thing to do. You can earn it. You can earn it, right. but, that, but that's, you've got to be in New Hampshire. That's more difficult than finding somewhere to buy it. Yeah, you've got to find somebody who's willing to pay you in crypto, which if you're not in a community of people like this, you know... It, if you have you an know. online like income stream and you don't have like your crypto wallets up there, then that's your fault. But again, you still have to figure out how to turn the dollar into cryptocurrency. And for toward that end... I understand why people give the answers of Coin, Coinbase and Binance and those things because sure. they make it easy and the system is trying to crush people who want to well, operate outside of that. I mean, that's the Crypto Six right. is facing prison, you know, for My helping people get it. their hands on cryptocurrency without going through the centralized exchanges. And the state yeah. is mad about that. So, most that's probably why, you know. Uh, you can still buy crypto from an individual, but that may be why that there aren't people like, um, you know, saying on this thread that you were reading, "Hey, I'll help you," because they don't want you know some government agent knocking on their door with a with an arrest warrant. Oh, they don't knock. On. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Part of part of my concern about people going to the big bank versions of the crypto exchanges is that um, is there any risk of actually them acquiring control of a large enough share? of any particular cryptocurrency so that they can manipulate the market with it by well this is why i say it's okay to buy from coinbase and binance and kraken all those if you buy their Mm -hmm. bitcoin from them then they don't have it you do well but also what you get what you have to do is remove it from them yes immediately and there have been by the way there have been posts recently that i spotted on uh twitter about people complaining trying to remove the bitcoin that they purchased from coinbase and coinbase shutting their accounts down one guy claimed right. that he had $20,000 worth of Bitcoin in there that he wanted to re- uh, remove. They closed his account, and that $20,000 worth of Bitcoin is inaccessible at this point. And he's like, oh, what do I do? Oh, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. Well, what do you do I if you can't afford people, it? Hmm. I run into people giving excuses, saying things like, uh, well, if they sign up with these processes, then if they get burned, then they learn real quick, not your coins, not or not your keys, not your coins. Um, and I was thinking, man, that sounds a lot like somebody signing somebody up, like a, a new child, uh, a new teen getting their first job and just purposely exposing them to uh, the income tax mm-hmm. and watching them just suffer through that experience. Like, 
sure, that could push them in the right direction, but why not start them off with a, a little bit of advantage instead of getting them hit right right out the gate? Because it's much easier for a newcomer to go to Coinbase or Binance or something like that, as long as they know to pull their yeah. cryptocurrency off of those exchanges. As soon as you buy it, withdraw it to your own cryptocurrency wallet, like Edge Wallet or Exodus yeah. Wallet. Those are two of the best ones that I've seen. But you know, unfortunately, there's That's no easy point. way. Unless you have a Bitcoin vending machine in the town in which you live, uh, then you know it's relatively difficult. And a lot of those are know your customers where they're demanding identification. So if you're going to get know your customer at a vending machine, you might as well just get know your customer at uh, you know Binance.us. Or You'll whatever. at least get a better rate. You're going to get a way better rate in that particular yeah. case. And, you know, the bad side is, of course, they have a record of the fact that you made those purchases. So if you wanted to, maybe you could buy uh, stable coins and then take those stable coins onto some other exchange in another country and buy your Bitcoin that way. Like you could still, if you put your mind to it, you could still put some steps in between, you know, the purchases as far as when you actually buy the Bitcoin. But ultimately, going through these centralized exchanges is a simple way to do it and... As, I'm not giving tax advice, but it's my understanding that you know they can't tax the purchase of these things. The taxing comes in when you sell it later on down the line. There's more coming up here. Thanks, Gabriel, for the call. It's Free Talk Live. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Since our caller brought it up, I still have some thoughts on acquiring cryptocurrencies. Whether it be Bitcoin or Ethereum or one of the other thousands of other options out there. Uh, Our caller said that somebody from the Libertarian uh, Mises Caucus, which is a caucus of the Libertarian Party... It's been somewhat newsworthy and within the libertarian community. Yeah, there was some trauma of some description. That's all yeah. I know. They seem to be pretty principled people, and you know, I, I generally support more principled people being involved in the libertarian movement, even though I think the party is basically a lost cause. So I wish them the best. I think if you really want to be effective, you need to move to New Hampshire, and then I you think Jeremy Kaufman made that very clear. He did, and then you and we played that audio on the last. I think it was last Monday, right? I think so. Yeah. So if you didn't hear that, uh, go check that out. Go back to freetalklive.com, grab the archive. Um. But I wanted to comment further because I was actually just during that break, I was looking online and I saw a link at news.bitcoin.com about Coinbase, which we were just mentioning, which according to Coinbase, this is a story actually about Bank of America uh, sort of analyzing Coinbase as as a company. Uh, and Coinbase. CEO. That's the last thing the world needs is Bank of America acquiring Coinbase. <laughs> you know what? It won't make any difference. You know? No, I mean, it's probably why they're evaluating it. Yeah, that's the big gobbling up the big in that particular case. But uh, <laughs> according to the story here, Bank of America has initiated coverage of Coinbase Global Incorporated, whatever coverage means. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, so they have an analyst, a research analyst at Bank of America that uh, started Coinbase with a neutral rating, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about its stock. But what I wanted to get to was what CEO Brian Armstrong, who he's been the CEO as long as I can remember. He was the guy. The that, CEO of Coinbase. Yeah, he was the guy that was at the party that I was at at the very first Bitcoin convention we were, uh, Mark and I attended back in like 2013 or 2014, 
where he was talking with some attorney and another guy about creating a white, uh, what they call it, a, like a white list or something for companies that are obedient to the government where they would block. All the way back in 2013, he was spewing that nonsense. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were planning this early on about how they were going to black um like i guess mark the black uh, black market coins so they were going to sort of tag them essentially and if you if your coins if your bitcoins had gone through an underground marketplace like silk road for instance that they wouldn't that's accept stupid them. because you could have bought a sofa on silk road you probably didn't you could have yeah <laughs> but you could have and that, but that's what they were talking about anyway so same guy he says on their quarter two earnings call, quote, we want to be the Amazon of assets, list every asset out there in crypto that's legal. There are thousands of them today. There are eventually going to be millions of them. This is all under the theme of embracing decentralization. Wait, what assets that are cryptocurrencies are illegal? None of them. None yeah, what's that, that supposed I, to mean? Yeah, none that I know of. But, but I think what they mean is ones that have like registered with the federal government to do their whatever their ico or whatever well we know that the federal sec the securities and exchange commission is suing both ripple and library yes. or aka odyssey which is where we're streaming are they uh, suing tonight. library i thought they were just like investigating oh no, oh, no they they're are. suing uh, it was actually like a week after we got uh, arrested they came down with a lawsuit against well the uh, federal government is not stupid you know they have to target um all of the cryptocurrency enthusiasts, or as many of them as they can at the same time. As I've been saying since the beginning, this isn't about the Crypto 6 or anything like that. This is about cryptocurrency. And a lot of exchanges dropped Ripple the moment that the lawsuit was filed. So they they kind of took a hit, even though right now Ripple's up big time. It Ripple's over a dollar uh, right now, and that's that's up quite a bit from the last several weeks. Anyway, And didn't Ripple like try to play all of their stupid games they and sure jump did. through all of their stupid hoops? Yeah, they did. Ripple was Ripple was a bank coin. Basically, the whole vi- vision for Ripple was that it would help banks uh, yeah. do transactions between themselves. So anyway, that never really took off. But it worked out about as well as it did for the people in the in Afghanistan who helped out the American government. <laughs> They're still out there. They haven't lost the the case yet. The case hasn't been decided. I don't know what its status is. And same thing's true of uh, of library. But I thought it was funny what he's saying here. The last sentence is: "This is all under the theme of embracing decentralization, dude." That's not how decentralization works. (laughs) You don't start a mega corporation and then list a bunch of cryptocurrencies and become the Amazon of cryptocurrencies where you can buy every cryptocurrency. That's that's what he's saying his vision is. They're not there yet. But uh, you don't become the one-stop central shop for buying cryptocurrencies and call that decentralization. How does he come to the conclusion that Amazon is decentralized? I don't think they do. I think that they steal our words and just say them with a different meaning just to confuse the average person. Yeah, yeah to absolutely. the average person, this probably sounds good. They don't give it any thought and they don't realize that, you know, a Amazon isn't decentralized. No. It's one of the most powerful central corporations in the world. Yeah, and that's what he wants to be. He wants to be, and I don't blame him for it, and they're in a good position to, to do this. They're they're a huge co- company. I mean, arguably, Coinbase is the number one, you know, coin marketplace in the United States. I don't know how they're how close they are, they are in to the Kraken. US. Yeah, I don't know how close Kraken is to uh, to compete with them, but I think they're, you know, they're up there. Um, you know, when people think about getting crypto, that's what comes to mind for a lot of for a lot of people. And they suck. <laughs> they're awful. They are awful. 
So, I anyway. mean, they, they will take five to seven days to actually allow you to withdraw your Bitcoin on a whim. They'll mm. say, oh, no, you have to wait five to seven days just, just because. Look, we're doing it for your safety. Yeah. We're tagging your Bitcoin. So, anyway, I just thought that was a funny quote. Like, haha, we're decentralizing by what? No, it doesn't work that way. Decentralized exchanges are an interesting idea. And I think one that we're going to see take off over the next couple of years. There have been a couple of attempts at this so far. AirSwap was one of them. I was excited about AirSwap when it first came out. I've not heard about it. It it was years ago, probably six years ago. Did it work out? It did not. Nah, it was an ERC-20 token. And it, it using it was unwieldy. You had to use MetaMask or uh, Parity or something like that. And mm-hmm. th- that's just way beyond the average person. So it... It never took well, off. Well, I think a lot of this is still way beyond the average person. Even today, even as easy as it is to get into cryptocurrency, it's still a challenging thing. There's still a lot that you need to... There's a learning curve. There's definitely a learning curve. But what we're seeing now is the development of some decentralized exchanges, uh, whether it be Atomic Dex, for instance, which the Komodo people are working on, which is what they call Atomic Swaps. And I've, I can't explain how that works, but I've read about it and it sounded interesting. Another one that I've read about is ThorSwap, which is another one that's uh, in development currently. They've had some nasty hacks recently, so it's they're unfortunate. They're you know they say they say they're coming back, so it's one to keep an eye on. And uh, then there's been a couple that have already been around but never really took off, like Bisk. Uh, Bisk is is out there, it's active, but you can really only swap Bitcoin for Monero on Bisk. The last I saw. Um, so it's not like it's still useful. There's not a lot of volume, and that's the real issue with but a lot of these. But to use any things. of these, you you sort of have to have a cryptocurrency or a token that you can convert to, have to it another token. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't answer the question of how do they get their first Bitcoin or their first USDT. No, it doesn't. And and that comes back around to the caller's question: Is what do you do? How do you get it without going on these centralized exchanges? If you don't live in New Hampshire. If you don't live around a, a you know a community of people who actually are into cryptocurrency, then the centralized options are the best choices out there. I mean, you could try local bitcoins, but you can. But there's scams there's on local bitcoins. There's a lot bitcoins. of scammers on there. And I bet there's feds. There certainly are feds on local bitcoins. I mean, but there, but there's nothing illegal about buying bitcoin from someone on local there bitcoins. There shouldn't be. <laughs> there shouldn't be. Um, you're gonna pay higher price than you would otherwise so that's why i say if you're in a community of people because i'm always amazed i'm not in this group now because i'm not allowed on telegram but we have a group on telegram for the monadnock area uh and that's the region of new hampshire that we live in and it's like a crypto group where i'm always amazed when somebody has a, some amount of bitcoin to sell or buy somebody wants to buy some bitcoin or they want to sell bitcoin they have whenever they put it on that you know that group say hey i want to sell x Every single time somebody's like, yeah, I want to buy or yeah, I want to whatever, whoever's, you know, wants to meet up with them. And it's not a big group. You know, it's like 100 people or something like that. Last I checked, which was six months ago before I got arrested. It uh, is just 100 people, but it's 100 crypto enthusiasts. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, OK, this is the best way to buy and sell because then you're likely paying market. Because yeah. if you go on there and you say, I want to buy $200 worth of Bitcoin, then somebody else wants to sell it. They usually are willing to sell it at whatever the market rate is because they want to sell. And the other person wants to buy. Whereas if you go on local Bitcoins, well, somebody's doing you a favor. You know, they're going out of their way. They're doing something they otherwise wouldn't do. And so there's always going to be a fee involved in that. But again, that's that's about creating a community. That's about creating a cryptocurrency 
activist community, and that's what we're doing here in New Hampshire. That's part of the whole Free State Project. Because look, I think a lot of the people that are coming here are also cryptocurrency, either users or interested in becoming cryptocurrency users. And the more crypto libertarians we can move here to New Hampshire, the stronger economically that community is going to be. And the more options, more coming up. This message is for you if you are a polyamorous person or you're in an open relationship and you are struggling with jealousy, loneliness, and communication problems. Hello, my name is Jeremy West, and I am a polyamory coach with degrees in psychology and communications and five years of experience with polyamory. And for a limited time, I'm teaching a free online class just for polyamorous people or people in open relationships where you will discover a new, simpler, and unique way to uncover the secret that experienced poly people know about jealousy that you must know too, stop feeling lonely when your partner is out with another partner, and use the four key elements that will change the way you communicate forever. No more crying yourself to sleep when you're alone for a night, a weekend, or longer, and wondering if it's better to go back to a monogamous relationship. Sound good? Well then, go to jeremywest.net slash free class and register for my class now. Again, that's jeremywest.net slash free class, jeremywest.net slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. The number here. If you want to join in, whether you want to talk about the Afghanistan withdrawal, cryptocurrency, Whatever happens to be on your mind. Coming up, uh, we get a chance. Aria, you're going to talk about NASA is apparently targeting an asteroid. Yeah, evidently there's some asteroid with some decent chances, like 1 in 1,700 of hitting the Earth. And obviously it probably isn't based on those odds, but they're going to use it to try some Armageddon-style As in the movie. Yes, and... With Bruce Willis. Deflect its path. Well, Joa was saying, um, I think it was Thursday, that there is some person that claims to be from the future on <laughs> yeah. TikTok. Ridiculous. And they said that on October, I mean, August 11th, we were supposed to have an alien visit the Earth and it was supposed to have jumped onto our planet from an asteroid. Yeah. Maybe it's just running behind. We looked at that uh, that particular account, and it's absolutely laughable that anyone would, would I mean, take if it they seriously. Were, if, they're, if they've already been wrong, why would anyone continue they've to take it? Wrong exactly. More, on more than one occasion. It's just like QAnon. I, I don't yeah. understand people who who fall for these types True of... believers. I mean, they just, whatever the excuses are, they believe whatever the excuses are, and they just, they just go on looking for the next prediction. Um, so Joe Biden made a speech today. He's standing behind his decision, as he should, to withdraw troops from Afghanistan. Of course, as we pointed out before, it's pretty ugly because, well, it's the government and they just don't care about the people who spent the last 20 years working for them and trying to help them. No, and uh, as Biden pointed out, I mean, it was always going to be ugly, whether we did this 10 years ago or 10 years from now or even 100 years from now, it was always going to end badly. Well, I mean, it would be nice if they'd have done something for the people that actually helped them out there, like, oh, I don't know, brought enough of the cargo planes to actually haul them all out of there and get them to safety, uh, maybe give them uh, green cards or whatever so they could come into the United States. But no, well, you're thinking, that didn't happen. Yeah, you're not thinking like a sociopath. Right. And you've got to remember these people who make these decisions, they are sociopaths. Yeah, you cannot trust these people. 
so people are literally grabbing a hold of air, you know, these airplanes as they're taking off, and they're falling off from from great heights, and it's quite horrifying. Uh, there's video of that stuff online right now. Anyway, Biden said he'd rather take criticism over the fallout than pass the decision of how and when to withdraw the troops to another U.S. president. He said the decision to leave Afghanistan is the right one for America because keeping a U.S. presence there was no longer a U.S. national security interest. It, well, it never was. Yeah, whenever was it? I mean, that's what you were sort of getting at, Bonnie, earlier when you were quoting your father, who is a military guy. Uh, that he said something like he was supporting the continuation of troops in Afghanistan because we'll be quote unquote wide open yeah. if we don't if the United States doesn't stay. I'm not sure if he means that. Yeah, he thinks that it will cause turmoil somehow. Well, to it, what he sounds like he's suggesting there is that we, meaning the United States, the people, would be wide open to attack. Yeah, he said this in the United States about a month ago too. Like when, whenever Biden first started saying he was going to do it, he was like, "Look, I know that you libertarians think it's a good idea, and trust me, I don't like war either. I've been to war, but this is going to leave us wide open." And I was like, "Please stop talking." They won't be wide open well, in they Afghanistan. They do have Blackhawks now. Well, but they won't <laughs> be wide open in Afghanistan because they won't be there. And I don't see how the Taliban taking over the. You know, presidential offices and cities in Afghanistan is going to be any sort of an increased threat to any kind of terrorism here in the United States. No, if anything, it seems like it would decrease the terror threat because they got what they wanted. Yeah. Well, I think they I kind of remember what he said. I think he said that China is going to move in on Afghanistan. Good. Let China handle that mess for 20 years. Yeah. What's China going to do in Afghanistan? I mean, it just whatever. I mean, look what happened to the Soviets. In Afghanistan, the Soviet Union fell. I looked it up last night. I was like, well, how long did it take between the Soviets leaving Afghanistan? We talked about that a bit last night, and we didn't know the real answer to that either. I looked it up. It was less than two years. Mm. It was like January of 1989 when they left, and it was 1991, December, when the Soviet Union fell. Okay. Now... I would love to be optimistic and say the same thing will happen here. Man, it's not unlikely. Look what they're doing to the currency. Mm. I mean, look at look at the lockdowns and all of this nonsense and the the New Hampshire drive for secession mm-hmm. that's ongoing right now. It's independence. In, independence. Drive for independence. Yes. Well, not if they steal everyone's bitcoins. But I'm going to keep calling it secession because I I don't care if it people find it jarring. It's going to fail enough. anyway. But yeah, they can I'm, just I'm, Google the definition for the website. I will use independence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't remember where I was going to go with that. But if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160, that's the number. I, I just don't believe that the Taliban, which has, you know, they've been around yeah. for the last 20 years. Obviously, they've been, you know, uh, here and there throwing out an IED and fighting on occasion or whatever was required to... Rich stay. pointed out last night that their tactic was actually brilliant. You know, just wait out the U.S. government. They'll get bored. Or they'll run out of money. And they'll just... return to power when the u.s government gets bored or there's enough political pressure to withdraw or whatever and it worked phenomenally yeah oh i know what i was talking about the uh the the whole death of the the empire some people are heralding this withdrawal as the end of the u.s empire and i appreciate are are they saying that like it's a bad thing no like it's a good thing okay good And, and i appreciate their optimism i just you know i just wish i could believe in it i wish i could believe that that the U.S. government would crumble as the communists did in Soviet Union after they left Afghanistan. But I don't think it'll be like that. And here's why. 
because the United States isn't communist, as socialist as it is, and it is quite socialist, it's not the same as the commies, right? Like, we've got more freedom in the marketplace relatively as compared to the communists of the Soviet it's Union. It's corporatism more than it is communism, yeah. It is, but, you know, you can still go out there and, like, start your own business if you have enough money to do so. You can still go and out there. And if you get all of their approvals and yeah. their licenses and you abide all their regulations. It's, it, you know, that's socialism. It is, ultimately. But it's not full-on Russian-style communism. So I think there's more economic strength in the United States that's not been, you know, completely well, there decimated. Was. There still is. This was actually a discussion I was having this morning with uh, with, with one of my uh, the roommates um, you know, he was saying that oh, it's hyperinflation. You know, this well, is not yet. Well, that was what I was saying. Is not quite. You know, not we're not there yet. You it's don't have inflation. The, sure. You don't have the problem where you walk like you might in Venezuela, where you walk into a bar, buy a beer, and by the time you're done drinking it, the price of the beer's gone up. Right. So then, when you buy the next beer, you're paying more. That's yeah. not happening here. Hyperinflation is like hundreds of percents, thousands of percents yeah. inflation over a year's time. Yeah, right. this is like high inflation. And it's higher than I think the U.S. has ever had. I don't know if it's ever, but it's like tops for you know the last 20 years. But then again, you can only really go by the numbers that the government's putting out. Or you can look at other things like manufacturers are saying uh, – I forget which company it was, but you know, major manufacturers saying their costs are up over 7%. Hmm. So that's an Which means their prices will be up Ooh, over 7%. Yeah. They're going to raise their prices. Of course, they have to. Yeah. Or they're going to cut the quantities down. But they've slimmed down these products so much. Uh, Bonnie and I were shopping just yesterday at uh, one of the local grocers. And I'm like, oh, I remember when a um, container of orange juice was 64 ounces. They're down to like 52 and a half. I swear bread loaves are way, are way smaller than they were when I was I a kid, too. I bet they don't have as many slices. Like, you know, the super seed one I'm mm-hmm. always getting is like this this long. Yep. That's and it runs long, out yeah. so fast. I also remember that... Uh, Drinks that you'd buy at a convenience store, they used to be 20-ounce standard, and they were like a dollar nine cents or something like that. But now 16.9 ounces is standard, standard. and that's the pint, so it's a smaller amount, yep. but the price is also like a dollar eighty-nine. Some beers are 11 ounces instead of 12. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Or 11.2 or They've something like that. They've also invented the stupid, tiny little eight-ounce soda cans. Yep. I don't even drink soda, but I, I would feel embarrassed about walking around with the, one of those little <laughs> no tiny things. Uh, the yogurts. You cannot find a yogurt less than most. I, I have to take this back. You did I did finally find one. one. I was so excited about it. I'm like, Nusa. Bonnie will tell you how excited I was about this yogurt. Uh, but it's been years since I've seen an eight ounce uh, tub of yogurt on the shelf. They've they're all gone. They went down to like six, and then they went to five point three. And I've seen some of them at four now. I mean, this is like one scoop. You 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 take two bites, and it's done. It's ridiculous. So they can't slim down the products much more. Prices are going to go up. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. But that said, the entire world, or a good chunk of it, is using the dollar. And so there's a, you know, when they inflate the currency, they're hitting everybody out there, not just us. We're coming up. This is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open if you want to join in here. 603-283-6160. We were talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and I do want to come back to that because Ron Paul has weighed in, and I think, and it's a relatively short piece that he wrote over at the Mises Institute, published today. So we'll share that with you coming up. Twenty years ago, he said that it was a bad idea, and, and then he ten was years, right. and then ten years later, he said this is still a bad idea, and now he's 
well, we'll read it. Uh, Imagine if he had been president. Now, the man's not perfect, but he probably would have ended this war a little bit sooner. I believe that he would. And I tend to believe that, you know, power corrupts. But Ron Paul was was an elected person and showed that he was able to resist he did. Uh, the corrupting influence of power, which is a rare trait in a human being. With you tonight, by the way, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. But just a moment ago, we were talking about inflation and the end of the empire, because some people are her- heralding the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan as a win for the Taliban, and arguably it is. Um, well, but they didn't lose. I don't know that they won. Right. They just sort of had to wait until the U.S. tired itself out, and then the U.S. left. I would say they won because they got a hold of the spoils. Like, they got the presidential palace. And by the way, there's a report apparently out of Russia. Well, didn't they have one before 2001 anyway? Didn't they have a president? I don't know. They surely had some sort of official government building that they... Resided in. Who knew anything about the Taliban before 2001? Unless you actually lived under their, you know, their knife. Good point. Um, And there's plenty of other thugs all all around the planet. You know, these African uh, warlords, for instance, that are dominating all kinds of people there. There's plenty of, you know, goons around the planet that are restricting people's freedom. I mean, not just China, but there's a ton of these people all over the world. Why is Afghanistan so important? Why is that the place? That 20 years was spent and trillions or whatever, hundreds of billions or whatever the total was uh, on this was. was well, spent. Iraq isn't far behind. It's at seven to 18 years this year. Mm. So, wow. Been in Iraq quite a while, too. Will it be? Will we be in Iraq longer than Afghanistan? Well, I've never been, so I'm not in, Af- uh, in Iraq. You mean the U.S. government? I do. Yeah. Um, and that's a good question, too. Like, hey, Biden. Why not withdraw from Iraq as well? I mean, what's the reason for staying there? What's the excuse? Is ISIS. that a good idea? Yeah, if he has the same answer for... I mean, if he has that answer for Afghanistan, why isn't it the same answer for Iraq? That's what just makes me think that he's a liar. The Iraq war well, will be 20 years old before Biden leaves office. So yeah. if he doesn't want to pass a war three decades onto the next president, he yeah. has to end the war in Iraq. Of course he's a liar. He um, is. So a little but, evil, beady-eyed, demented, liar, yeah. sicko. Biden described the images coming out of Afghanistan, especially the airport, as gut-wrenching, including video of Afghans clinging to an Air Force plane and running alongside it as it prepared to take off, and then subsequently clinging onto it as it took off, and then falling, you know, to their deaths. That happened. Uh, he didn't admit the U.S. fault in how the drawdown was executed, and after batting away the notion of a rapid Taliban takeover when questioned a little over a month ago, Biden acknowledged Monday that, quote, the truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we anticipated. Yeah, like, less than a week. Some people are saying it took him a day. In the grand scheme of things, I think it was really three weeks, but a day is appropriate, considering that it was obvious that they were going to win within a day. So people are saying this is the uh, end of the U.S. empire. And, well, obviously that's not true because there's still hundreds of U.S. military bases all around the planet right now. Right now. The Soviet Union, as you pointed out, took two years to fall. It did. So maybe the U.S. will take two years to fall. You mean after leaving Afghanistan. The talk of the empire ending just makes it scarier to be here in the United States. I don't really want to be. Because they're going to be cracking down here. Yeah. Yeah. I see it as an opportunity, you know. I don't want to be cracked down on by the American Empire, but... Too late for that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I consider myself... They a, held you at gunpoint. They did. 
in I think you were naked, right? I I was wearing a pair of underwear. Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't leave much to the imagination, I imagine. Well, I was also wearing a blanket, right? Oh, okay, because it was it was cold. It was like yeah, early March, yeah, outside. So I was wearing a blanket. That was sort of what caused the issue was they, they wanted me to put my hands up and I refused to because that would have caused the blanket to fall. Wow. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. They said, <laughs> well, we're telling you to, well, I'm, I'm not doing it. And I didn't. So small yeah. victory. I wish. Give me my little. Yeah. I wish the empire would end because, you know, then our court case would go away. <laughs> uh, but I wish it would end for other reasons. I would have wanted it to end before March 16th, before the raid, because the government. Well, we've been advocating secession for well longer than that. Absolutely. And that is a solution to get out from under. Because I don't disagree that the empire is going to end. I agree with that because yes. all empires do. The question is, how long can they kick the can down the road? And I think they can kick it down the road for a ways. I mean, maybe I, I and I want to be wrong about this because people didn't see the end. Not of the with Soviet the rise Union. of China, I don't think they can. I I, I think it's like twenty twenty five where China was supposed is supposed to overtake the U S. economically. Well how, well, how how would that matter? Then the U S. loses its position as the most powerful economy in the world, and it probably okay. will lose its uh, position as the reserve currency because the Chinese currency would be stronger. So you think that countries would start selling uh, their oil for the yen? Most likely, for the best currency that they could get. That could be, but still, that's probably a little ways off. It ain't going to be in the next two years. Well, it's 2025. That 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 happens. So, four years-ish? And I mean, I'm going off an estimate that I read about like six or seven years ago. I don't know what the current forecast for China's economic growth is. And even then, it's just a forecast, right? Yes, she does. Aria's a time traveler. The world reserve currency is a pretty, you know, pretty big status to have. There's no doubt about that, but... Look at what happened in Venezuela, where they've just been ravaging that economy and ravaging those people to the point where they can't even get more than two meals a day in a lot of cases. But in They're the U.S., losing. we still have guns. And we're, and we're fat. There's some fat people in the United States, and in the Venezuela, they're losing weight every single year. So we're sitting pretty as far as, you know, we, we're comfy. We got all kinds of wealth that we can tap into. We got all kinds of food here. We're throwing away a ton of food every single day in the United States. I think people yeah. will find out, though, with if the U.S. loses its reserve currency status, that all of that's an illusion. There actually isn't any wealth to tap into other than the USD. And the only reason they can tap into that is because it's the world's reserve currency. So sure, right now, the government can just keep selling off treasury notes or whatever to the Fed, but eventually it's, it's going to come to a head. I yeah I don't disagree with you, but I think that they have more tricks up their sleeve than you know. Because again, Venezuela they're hungry, and the government there is still in charge. Maduro is still fat and sitting in charge of that country because he's feeding the soldiers. I have a serious question. If, they're going to feed them here too. If the countries with oil would just start selling to China, if the yen got more powerful mm-hmm. than the dollar, then why don't they just start selling for Bitcoin or something? Is now. it the yen or the yuan? Yuan. I think it's the yuan. Oh. Japan is the yen. Uh. Why don't they start selling for Bitcoin? Probably because Bitcoin isn't stable enough. Uh. I mean, that's it that's the be, number one reason why. Don't you think it would be if like some countries started taking it for oil? No, um, because mm-hmm. Bitcoin hasn't found its its mark yet. But I, mean, I think if, whatever country did that would 
be making a good decision. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's a lot of cryptocurrency options out there that they could they could utilize, but all of them, with the exception of the so-called stable coins, are relatively unstable as far as their price uh, is concerned. And when you're dealing with something that you know doesn't have much of a profit margin on it, then it can be tricky. BSV is pretty those. stable. BSV? It always stays the same price. I don't know about that. More coming up. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. This is Free Talk Live. If you want to join us, you can do that. The number is 603-283-6160. Is this the end of the U.S. Empire? Their loss in Afghanistan? I wish I could believe it. I really want to. But I don't. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to stay positive and hope for the best. Me too. I mean, look, no one saw the end of the Soviet Union coming. It came on quick. Same thing's true with the, I mean, maybe some people inside the Soviet Union could have predicted it, but most people didn't see it happening. Uh, Same thing's true with the fall of the Berlin Wall. People did not see that coming down in the way that it did. So... I'm sure that's the case with most empires. I mean, did anyone see the fall of the Roman Empire coming? Mm. I mean, I'm sure in hindsight, we we look back and go, oh, Oh, it was obvious. Right. But, and it's going to be obvious when the world looks back on the American Empire's collapse at some point. They're like, oh, well, it was obvious this was not going to work. What were they thinking? I mean, I was hoping Trump would be the last U.S. president, but no, we've got another one. Maybe Biden will be the last U.S. president. That would be nice. That would be the Uh, most fitting end to the American experiment I could possibly. Let's have him up there just talking like he's still the president. confused old guy. Just issuing decrees to an empire that has totally collapsed. There's He's no longer in charge of anything. Just let him have the Oval Office sit there signing executive orders about kids stroking his leg hair. The most fitting into the American empire, I could imagine. I didn't watch the speech today, but there's obviously some excerpts here in this AP story about his speech where he's saying he's behind uh, his Afghanistan decision to withdraw the troops. And whoever wrote the speech was on point uh, as far as you know what he delivered. He said, American troops cannot and should not be fighting the war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. Noting- hey, Biden, now apply that to all of the other wars, like Syria and mm-hmm. Iraq and Libya and Yemen. But he won't. Noting how the Afghan army had surrendered to the Taliban. And he makes a good point there. I mean, again, he's, he's right about this thing. They did surrender. So Biden is the fourth U.S. president to confront challenges in Afghanistan and insisted he wouldn't hand America's longest war to his successor. Uh, so anyway, I don't feel like going any further on this particular story. Let's talk to Ron Paul, or not talk to Ron Paul, but get Ron Paul's opinion here in an opinion piece written over at Mises.org, posted just a few hours ago. Ron Paul, headline, Kabul has fallen, but don't blame Biden. This weekend, the U.S. experienced another Saigon moment. 
This time in Afghanistan, after a 20-year war that drained trillions from Americans' pockets, the capital of Afghanistan fell without a fight. The corrupt Potemkin Which is regime, good. I mean, if it was going to fall, at least there was no bloodshed. The corrupt Potemkin... Well, that doesn't mean there won't be bloodshed after the fact. Uh, True. It is the Taliban, after all. The corrupt Potemkin regime the U.S. had been propping up for two decades, and the Afghan military that had spent... Uh, that the U.S. had spent billions training melted away. In fact, there's a days. there's a story <laughs> saying that uh, Russia is saying that the president, the quote unquote president, the U.S. installed president of Afghanistan, uh, ran out of there with a helicopter full of cash and four cars. I so would not left be all his guns for some reason. They were worth a lot of money. Did he really? I'm just saying. Why did they leave all their guns? Doesn't I was make sense. Say, I suspect he he took some guns with him. <laughs> As many as he could fit on the uh, the helicopter. It's surprising that the Afghan military didn't try to take over these Black Hawks before the Taliban did. If they were as poorly trained as some are suggesting that they were, they probably didn't know what they were doing. But see, that's kind of the issue, isn't it? That the, the Afghan army was trained, supposedly, by the American military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the Taliban... Routed them. ...is better trained. Yeah. The it's Rush- almost like the Taliban is inspired by passion, rightly or wrongly, yes. and the Afghan government and its military were just sort of blasé about yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, paycheck. Yeah. The rush is on now to find somebody to blame for the chaos in Afghanistan. Many of the so-called experts doing the finger-pointing are the ones to most to blame. Politicians and pundits who played cheerleader for this war for two decades are now rushing to blame Biden for finally getting the U.S. out. Where were they when succeeding presidents continued to add troops and expand the mission in Afghanistan? The U.S. war on Afghanistan was not lost yesterday in Kabul. It was lost the moment it shifted from a limited mission to apprehend those who planned the attack on 9-11 to an exercise in regime change and nation building. Immediately after the 9-11 attacks, I proposed that we issue letters of mark and reprisal to bring those responsible to justice. But such a limited and targeted response to the attack was ridiculed at the time. How could the U.S. war machine and all its allied profiteers... Well, let's be clear. The people who were responsible for September 11, 2001 were already dead at that point. Sure, um, but there might have been people who funded them or asked them to do it or trained them or somehow put them up to it, maybe threatened them. Right, so there could have been some other people behind the scenes. Uh, But as he says here, how could the U.S. war machine and all its allied profiteers, meaning the military industrial complex, make their billions if we didn't put on a massive war? So who's to blame for the scenes from Afghanistan this weekend? There's plenty to go around. Congress has kicked the can down the road for 20 years, continuing to fund the Afghan war long after they even they understood there was no point to the U.S. occupation. Well, it wasn't their money. What do they care? There were some efforts by some members to end the war, but most on a bipartisan basis just went along to get along. The generals and other high-ranking military officers lied to their commander-in-chief and to the American people for years about progress in Afghanistan. And that's the story the Washington Post has about how there were so many lies when it came to They what were was lying going on to there. the president of the United States or who? They were lying to everybody that would listen to them. They said they were lying to their commander-in-chief. Yeah, that's right. The same is true for the U.S. And you know what? They're not going to be punished for it either. Of course not. Guarantee you. 
The same is true for the U.S. intelligence agencies. Unless there's a major purge of those who lied and misled, we can count on these disasters to continue until the last U.S. dollar goes up in smoke. Why would anyone still listen to the government intelligence agencies after Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction that they they promised us were totally, definitely, for sure there? And lied about. Yes, and provably, demonstrably had lied about. Also, the uh, CIA, I think in 2018, was making all these lies up about a attack that was going to happen in Syria, and that's why we needed to like go into Syria and Russia uh, outed it as a CIA psyops like days before it could be done, and then it never happened. Well, the CIA, of course, could have been behind it if it actually did happen. No, that that's what it was. It was the CIA was going to be behind this attack. Ah, but the attack Russia, never went forward. Yeah, because Russia outed them. The military industrial complex spent 20 years on the gravy train with the Afghanistan war. They built missiles, tanks, aircraft, and helicopters. They hired armies of lobbyists and think tank writers to continue the lie that was making them rich. They wrapped their graft up in the American flag, but they're the opposite of patriots. The mainstream media has uncritically repeated the propaganda of the military and political leaders about Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and all the other pointless U.S. interventions. Hmm, just like how they're repeating everything the CDC says about COVID-19. Weird. Mm. It's almost like we can't trust them because they're just mouthpieces of the federal government. That's just an aside. Going back to Ron, he says many of these outlets are owned, owned by the defense industry connected companies or by defense industry-connected companies, the corruption is deep. American citizens must also share some blame until more Americans rise up and demand a pro-America, non-interventionist foreign policy. They will continue to get fleeced by war profiteers. I agree with the non-interventionism, but I don't think you really... I don't think it's even a good idea to be pro-America. Well, he's Ron Paul. I mean, he can't be seen as you know being against America. Or there's a huge amount of Republicans that won't even listen to him. True. Finally, he says, political control in Afghanistan has returned to the people who fought against those they viewed as occupiers and for what they viewed as their homeland. That's the real lesson, but don't expect it to be understood in Washington. War is too profitable and political leaders are too cowardly to go against the tide. But the lesson is clear for anyone wishing to see it. The U.S. global military empire is a grave threat to the United States and its future. Ron Paul over at Mises.org. Very well said. I'm, I'm interested to hear what he said. You know, I, I want to hear speeches of Ron Paul back in 2001 talking yep. about how absurd this nonsense was. I think you're going to be working on that for a tomorrow night's show, right? I plan to be. All right, cool. So if you want to join us here, you can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We'll check in with what's going on in Down Under with their crazy COVID crackdown that could be coming to a city near you later this year. Free Talk Live, the number here if you want to join in, 603-283-6160, whether you want to weigh in on Afghanistan, as Ron Paul has done. And, you know, to his credit, he didn't go, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, you know, he's very diplomatic in the way that he explains that, hey, you know, I said this before, this was a bad idea. That is to say, going to Afghanistan and staying there in the first place was a bad idea. Leaving sooner rather than later would have been a good idea, but no, it took them 20 years. Literally an entire generation. Yeah, the only good thing would have been to never invade Afghanistan at all. Correct. But short of that, leaving earlier 
would have been better because the same result would have happened if the U.S. had invaded and then left the next day. And for all of the things that they said, all of the lies that they told, all of the people who not only died, but because medical technology is so much better now than it was during, say, Vietnam, a lot of people who otherwise would have died if they'd, say, gotten hit by an IED, an improvised explosive device in Vietnam, you know, weren't able to get to the help that they needed or the technology wasn't there to, you know, save them. Uh, those guys are alive today and they get to relive those explosions over and over again for the rest of their lives thanks to that experience and all of it, all of that death and destruction, all of the PTSD all of the nightmares, all of the suicides, all of the abused and broken families. Not that to mention come, the homelessness that yeah. is prevalent among veterans. All of that. For nothing. Yeah, For and nothing. if you think we're exaggerating when we say nothing, we actually had on last night an article, a pro-America, pro-war article, where they listed out benefits to the Afghan people as a result <laughs> of the U.S. government's invasion and there were two. Wow. And they were so minor that no one would think anything about it. Like, oh. the infant mortality rate fell by 50%. That's great. Oh, okay. And female literacy increased by 37%, which is also great. Worth 20 years of war? Yeah. Probably not. Trillions of dollars? No, you could have taken, if you wanted to, which, again, I'm against governments doing anything at all or existing, but if you had trillions of dollars to spend... You know, let's say you took a billion dollars and you went over there and gave, uh, you know, educational books. Or Did anyone you know, try bribing the yeah. Taliban? Hey, can, how about, it, look, if you will let your women read, right. we'll, give you we'll give you money. $30 billion. Yeah. yeah, here, have some helicopters. The United States doesn't care if women read. No, they don't. No, they, they no. cared about, you know, funding Lockheed Martin and Halliburton and all of these other defense contractors let's go to your calls and thoughts dave is on the line dave ridley from ridleyreport.com in new hampshire go ahead dave folks just stop me if you guys have talked about this before but have you been following the manchester police uh, qualified immunity scandal oh yeah they put on their facebook um one of the benefits if you apply for your job here uh for this job here is that you'll get qualified immunity then they had to apologize i think me and chris and captain covered that yeah they're literally looking for psychopaths I letting assumed them it was fake when I saw it. No, it was real. They're letting a bunch of nut jobs know that, hey, you can work here and abuse people and get away with it. In That's fact, actually a, a perk. It was the only perk they listed in that post. <laughs> they said, including qualified immunity. You're allowed to abuse your girlfriend and no one will care. It's the only place you can do, only job that lets you do that. So um, I have a couple things to add to it, I guess. Uh, so I have the exact quote from the, the post. It says, quote, the... Department offers many opportunities to advance and additional unique benefits, including qualified immunity. Unquote. Um, and it's then the, unique. The police, the police chief, uh, his quote later was he said, "quote This post was not the place to mention qualified immunity." Unquote. Right. Yeah, so think. he's not against <laughs> telling his recruits all about it. Just not in this place. He's just saying, "Oops, we shouldn't have put it out in public." What were we thinking? All the more reason for Manchester or New Hampshire in general to end the fiasco that is qualified immunity that allows police to do things that are blatantly illegal and that we would get charged for without without first being charged or without even being subject to penalties or fines or lawsuits as a result of their actions. Is anyone actually proposing to do that? Is there like a bill? Is there legislation that's going to go in to actually with, you know, withdraw qualified immunity? I hope that question is for Dave because I have no idea. I'm asking the universe. Does anybody know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But 
I do know something else, and the, the person who seemed to be calling him out, I don't know if this guy made the difference by himself, but it was Libertarian Party congressional candidate Justin O'Donnell. That was the person I saw most nice. uh, prominently calling him out. I don't know if he made all the difference or not, but it, this could have been something he just kind of got unnoticed or went past, but instead it turned into a scandal, and that's what we can do to them. We can make scandals. Nice. What else, Dave? Uh, I do have another news item, if you want it, about, uh, about a lady who's standing up to the mask mandates in Exeter. Tell me about it. Uh, although she was, I don't know. If Hold on, they still have a mask mandate in Exeter. Exeter is masks, uh, isn't this, it? No, this happened. Seacoast. The event, the the arrest happened in May, and I guess we missed it. But did you hear about this Plastow? It was Plastow, I think, in Timberlane School District. They arrested a lady for trying to attend the gigantic room meeting without a mask. No, I didn't hear about that. So she has uh, been in court uh, recently, but yeah, she was. Um, she, this is a union leader article, and she was uh, like again. There's a picture of her being arrested in the room, and it, it's an auditorium. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, something where you could possibly be within six people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, There's this no is the there, older except, lady, right? Uh, she looks about my age, uh, so she's middle aged and uh, nicely dressed uh, lady. Her name is uh, Kathleen Kathleen Bossy. And she has most recently asked for an indemnity. She has asked the judge. Uh, she's demanding an indemnification agreement to be signed by the judge, um, so that if she has to go into court with a mask on, that he'll pay her 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 health problems if she has any health problems as a result of having a mask on. Wow. Although I shouldn't say he. I mean, she may be saying the state will pay. I don't know if she's specifying him. But is she it, representing it, herself in court, or does she have an attorney? Uh, I don't know. I just pulled this up because I thought you might have already talked about the... Uh, yeah, no, it's the, an interesting uh, story. Yeah. Dave, let's talk about what's going on with uh, the New Hampshire independence push here, uh, where there's some state reps that are interested in putting forth a bill. Now, it has the bill hasn't been written yet. It hasn't been put forward. This is all got to happen. No, in but like, some drafts have. It's got to happen in the next four weeks, basically, or less. Three weeks, maybe. Uh, so time is of yeah, the I essence. Think the main- the main important thing right now is that we, we're having trouble with the constitutional amendment wording, and we need more eyes on this. So if someone could come by forum.shiresociety.com and look at some of our proposed wording, I'll try and post the most recent proposals. But I'm at my wit's end in terms of changing this thing. I don't know what, I don't know what to add or take away. Well, or what, what we're really say. waiting for at this point is for the state reps to weigh in, because of the group of people that, are, that have eyes on this pr- particular proposal, it's basically gone around me, Aria, you, and a couple other folks have weighed in on this, but we are not the people who will be submitting this. So ultimately, if the guys who are the state reps are like, we don't support that you know, fa- phrasing, then it's going to be out the window. So the question is, what are they thinking about it? And we're going to find out more because there's a meeting scheduled for tomorrow. Now, what I thought was interesting was you actually got uh, you record, or there was a couple recordings of this meeting. You got one of the recordings, the first meeting that we had last week about this with the state reps, and you put it out there on uh, some video hosting platform, right? Yes, we put out a requ- uh, put out a request, uh, a question to both of the state reps the day before. Uh, are you okay with recording and broadcasting this? And uh, so there is, was misunderstanding. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is tomorrow's call going to be broadcast to the public? Now, obviously, they wouldn't be able to join the call itself, but will it be viewable to the public live? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that either. That's a good question. We'll have to talk to the people that are planning on being on the call. But this one, the first call, the video of it, is available. Um, Dave, uh, is the easiest way to go to the Granite Grok site and see it there? Is that probably the easiest way people can, can check this out? 
You can find it on Granite Rock, or again, I would say just go to forum.chiresociety.com. Oh, you put it there? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Do you think that we should make a sub-forum there for, uh, specifically for NHXit? I don't know. If you want to, uh, the main thing I would say is we should, we do, should not be starting a whole new forum. We no, I agree with you. I agree so, with you. I think that... Well, I've requested permission yeah. to use Shire Society Forum, so... Oh, you did? Okay, I great. Did. Yeah, we'll see what they say. Your, your handler, you mean you talked to your federal uh, your handler about My that. My leash holder. So I thought it was it was interesting because on the Granite Grok story, Granite Grok is a blog actually that is pretty right leaning, but kind of has a libertarian bend to it on occasion, not all the time. It, it's very New Hampshire, really. Yeah, and uh, you know they're they're sometimes a lot of times actually they're more popular than Freekeen, but Freekeen's like one of their competitors, I guess, as far as the blogosphere goes. And uh, but we force a friendly competition. You know, we share links sometimes, and we you know share news with uh, with each other. So I, I like the guys over there, even though I don't always agree with them. But, they weren't very big fans of me after no. last year. But what they did was they posted your video, Dave. After you tipped them off that it existed, they made a post about it. They did, and the comments are all positive. Now, to be fair, there aren't many of them, but of the comments that are posted there, the several comments. Every single one of them positive towards the idea of New Hampshire independence. So a little bit of a you know a little testing the water there, and I you know, I think that we're I think this is going to be bigger than some of the critics. I think, think so it's gonna, as well. Uh, Dave, thanks for the heads up. Hopefully we're going to see a, a website, a new website. Cause there's already it's the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence at uh, nhindependence.org. Dave, you've got nhexit.com. I think it goes to a Facebook group for right now though. So there's something new coming up. We'll let you know when that's available. More coming up. Thanks, Dave. It's Free Talk Live. After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back, and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean, and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You are invited if you want. You can join us here. The number 603 283 6160. 603 283 6160. Here in the studio with you, it's Ian, Bonnie, and Aria. Freedom's Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. If you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives from those who value liberty, then you can go to freedomsphoenix.com. They've got a daily dispatch. You can stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state, all at freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. As we continue, we've been talking mostly about... The Afghanistan withdrawal here tonight, which was the right decision to make. It was 20 years too late, but you know what? Better late than never. So you're still welcome to weigh in on that. Of course, Ron Paul weighed in. Uh, we had the uh, the Mises.org article that he published today about that. Aria, you're going to be looking into uh, some classic Ron Paul clips maybe for tomorrow night's show. So that's yes, because be nice. it's always good to have, you know, an authority figure, and Ron Paul's certainly an authority figure in the libertarian circles who, you know, predicted exactly this outcome. And it would be great to look back 20 years ago and see what he said then. To have to listen to him say this is going to end in a quagmire and ultimately the Taliban will remain in power 20 years ago and then, you know, 
as he so often is, as libertarians so often are, proven 100% correct. Now, when you say authority figure, do you mean authority like is normally used? I mean, respected figure. Somebody who is an authority because they're an expert. Somebody who is, you know, somebody who knows a thing or two about the way things work in D.C. An authority on a specific subject. Not like authority like cops clubbing you kind of authority. I would would say he's an authority on libertarian philosophy. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's very, very good at conveying it to people and bringing people into the folds of libertarianism. I was one of those. I'm I'm sure I'm not alone here. Mm. But I was one of the people brought in by Ron Paul. And, of course, I went further than that and started reading Rothbard and Hayek and all these others. I was like, okay, Ron Paul, he's great, but he's not an anarchist. And what we really need is some anarchism. But Ron Paul, I think, probably is secretly an anarchist. I just think that he is, like me, somebody who would not use that terminology to describe himself. He's become more voluntarist in his, since his yeah, retirement. That's, that's the terminology that's for sure. I would use. Uh, that's what I prefer because it talks about what I'm for rather than what I'm against. And I'd rather be pro-peace rather than anti-war. Even though I'm anti-war, I'm just, you know, I'm pro-peace instead. It depends of, on who I'm tailoring my message to, true. which term I use. Just like I don't go around saying shemale a whole lot anymore because there's not much of an audience that, you know, hmm. that's going to end well with. <laughs> but anarchists, there's still plenty of people who you can go, hey, I'm an anarchist. And they go, oh, OK, that's pretty cool. So let's change gears and go down under to where in Australia we've been following. <laughs> you like that, huh? I, I do. Uh, because I know why you did it and why you looked at her when you did it. Because <laughs> he sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. I don't think that sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy can barely put a sentence together. As I under- He released a new album recently. Did he really? He's like 80-something years Unbelievable. old. He has a song with Post Malone from 2019 that's really good. It's like rappy. Well, he's not rapping, but... I saw that one actually uh, a couple years ago. So, down in Australia, things have been pretty bad. And I don't mean they've been bad as far as, like, numbers of COVID cases or deaths or anything like that. No, no, actually. Well, those numbers are probably pretty low because if one person tests positive, they lock down an entire province. That's what they've done down there. They have locked down hardcore. In fact, according to Huddle AY on Twitter, the name is Bring Me the Hyper Bitcoinization. That's the person's name. Uh, in a lengthy post on Twitter, one of those multi-post things where they put one of two or three of... Have they never heard of Twitlong? I guess not. I never have. In uh, Australia... It's really cool. It basically just allows you to post whatever you want, and then it basically is a link to your... Oh, that's cool. I just post over at social.freetalklive.com, and then I get more characters that way. I Uh, wish I had set it up prior to March the 16th to be able to do that, but instead mm -hmm. it's all routed through my Telegram account, which... I can't use, yeah. and you can't use. I want to find somebody that I trust who had my Twitter account over to them because I still get emails from them because I'm allowed mm. to read my emails, and there's something like 296 unread notifications there. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, people can't are probably pretty curious. In Australia, he says, we are in full lockdown. Helicopters patrolling the sky. Police checkpoints along the ground. Everything closed. But what's even worse? The actual COVID numbers. Australia has an approximate population of over 25 million people. Want to know how many COVID cases we have as of today? This was posted today. 39,096. Yes, our country is in lockdown because we have a 0.0015% infection rate. And how many have died from it? As of this writing, the official government stats have Australia at 958 deaths. There's 25 million people living there, right? That's correct. 
958 is a very low number of deaths. Yes, and I presume this is cumulative over the last 18 months. The total of Australian population who've died from COVID, the total percentage is 0.000037%. It's getting too many zeros to the point where it's getting, you know, so hard, so small, it's hard to really... You know, envision how small of a number of people that is. Even 0.1%, that level of lockdown would be absurd for them. But there's like four zeros in there. That's right. But that's not all. 2.45. How many people catch COVID? Or what about those who catch it? How many of them die? 2.45% of people who've contracted COVID in Australia have died from it. Now, to be fair, that does sound like quite a lot. But what if we break it down by age? 325 of the 958 deaths have been Australians over the years of 90. Okay, so people who were on their way out the door. going to die anyway. Yep, 30- Not that they deserve to die, but I mean, yeah. if you're 90, you've had a full life and you're, you're, you know you're on your way out. Yeah. 33.9% of the Australian COVID deaths belong to people who are less than a decade away from hitting 100. But a lot of young people are dying though, right? Well, 394 of the 958 deaths have been between the ages of 80 and 89 years of age. So that's 41.1% of Australian deaths belonging to people who are approaching their 90s. Want to see the stats for 70 to 79? So we're looking at right now something like 70% of people in Australia who have died were above the age of 80, right? Uh, Yeah, 41.1 plus 33.9. That's close to 75%. Yeah. According to the rest of this, 161 people of the 958 were between the ages of 70 and 79 and that's another 16.8 percent you can't pretend that this is to protect people it's not it's to control them i mean they literally have checkpoints in the streets they have helicopters in the skies yeah uh so that must mean the elderly are catching it right uh so or catching it the most right nope the highest rates of infection are 20 to 29 year olds the most social groups 30 to 39 year olds. So 21.2% of 20 to, uh, 20 to 29 or 20, 21.2% of the cases. Sorry. So that's 80 over 8,000 cases. 17.2% of the cases are between 30 and 39. 72%? Uh, sorry. Uh, 17.2. Okay. Weird how they're not all dying, though, which means you guessed it. The lowest rates of infection are people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. People who don't go out. In summation, Australians are, li- Australians are living like prisoners because we need to be kept safe from a virus that has infected 0.0015% of the population and killed 0.000037% with 91.8% of the deaths in people over 70. That's amazing. Overreaction, I would say. And so, I, I imagine the numbers are pretty similar no matter where you look in the world. And we've been talking about that. The data has been clear for since COVID started, you know, being talked about. It's not killing young people. It's killing primarily older people. Well, let's check in with a police chief in New South Wales and see what he has to say. This will launch Operation Stay at Home. The unprecedented operation will see thousands of police officers from police districts and police area commands across the state working alongside our colleagues from the Australian Defence Force enforcing the strengthened public health order. Australian Defence Force, that's the military. So they're under martial law. Yes, they have been that way. Um, 1,400 Highway Patrol officers will be out and about with their specialist equipment, patrolling back roads, setting up roadblocks, so there is simply nowhere for you to go if you want to breach public health orders. 
Overnight, we had 529 infringement notices issued for breaches of the public health orders, 29 people charged. Unbelievably, 31 infringement notices were issued to a group of young people who thought it was a good idea to have a public gathering on the cliffs at Clovelly. My God, how dare these young people go out and stand on some cliffs where they're getting fresh air and they can be away from other people or whatever because, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of people, 29 people on the cliffs. We're coming up here in moments from Australia. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Australia setting up thousands of police officers to checkpoints. Uh, actually, this is uh, the police in New South Wales, so I don't know if it's all of Australia, but it's been pretty bad there. And when I say it, I mean the enforcement on covid the virus, like, yeah, no big deal. There aren't that many people that have died, but that's not there are an under issue. fewer than a thousand deaths for the whole country, for the entire country. In yes, eighteen months total. The but total look at what number. they do. I mean, this whole new lockdown in New South Wales, if I recall correctly, it happened because someone who worked at like a pet food factory, an tested, old guy, tested positive, an eighty-year-old man and died. This, this is the result of all of that. Yeah. They're freaking out down there and maximum lockdowns. With you tonight, by the way, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. And I want to say thank you to one of our Free Talk Live amplifiers. What is an amplifier? It is somebody who's joined the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. In this case, Kingston Smith, who is a gold amplifier, meaning that Kingston contributes 10 bucks a month, or at least 10 bucks a month, to the AMP program. And AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It helps us get on more radio stations around the country. So we can bring more people to the ideas of freedom because, sadly, there aren't that many people on the radio talking about this stuff, uh, period. And if you want to help us out with that, it's 5 bucks a month at least. Again, Kingston's doing gold, so he's doing 10 uh, But you can do it for 5 over at amp.freetalklive.com. Credit card, debit card, PayPal, we've got those options there for you. That's ampamp.freetalklive.com. I'm going to go to your calls and thoughts, though. You can bring up anything you want. John is on the line in Ohio listening online. Go ahead, John. Uh, hi, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, man, I got a question about cryptocurrency. Real yes. quick one. Uh, I'm looking for a wallet to put on an Android phone for somebody that I could put like 100 bucks on just so they can watch it and track it themselves and have a, a vested interest. Edge wallet. Edge wallet. And secondarily, I would say Exodus wallet if Edge doesn't float your boat. But for mobile, Edge is probably the best experience. Uh, Exodus is good because it's cross-platform. So they could they could have Exodus on both a phone and, say, a laptop and see the same balances across both, which is something Edge doesn't offer. But Edge is perfect for payments, especially real-life uh, payments, and it's awesome. Edge is a little more user-friendly. Yeah, I would say so. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Can I ask another one? Yeah, sure. So I got a guy that's at a local coffee shop that I'm trying to accept cryptocurrency. And I'm planning on putting this money on a wallet for him just so he can track. Mm -hmm. What are some suggestions you would say to him? Oh, you mean as far as like what cryptocurrencies he should get? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Or like some, I guess that would be a great a great question to uh, uh, have an answer for. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, how would you help persuade a local business owner? Oh, well, first I would move to New Hampshire and forget about uh, Cleveland. 
and <laughs> then I would gather together with other cryptocurrency users. That way you have some economic strength. That way you actually have more than just you. Because hey, but he's doing a good thing by trying to get somebody to, is. to accept it. He I would is say doing a good thing. tell them that they should hold on to it for year or hold on to a certain percent of it for years and they can change the other one to dollars if they ever need to. That's a good suggestion. How far along in this process are you with this guy? Um, I've showed him some of the stuff on my personal end. Um, uh-huh. I'm a beekeeper by trade. I sell honey. I do a lot of farmers markets. So I've been accepting cryptocurrency since Great. like I don't know, man, 2008 since I heard it from you guys. That would have been before it existed, but I, I, I take it you've been into it for a long time. It may be worth pointing yeah. out to him that you know if he, if he had started this process with you a year ago and gotten a hundred dollars worth of cryptocurrency from you, then right now that one hundred dollars would be worth something $400. like four hundred dollars. Yeah, four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that's always important to point out. But uh, here's another question: Are you a regular customer of this person? Uh, yeah, I go in there about twice a, uh, twice a week. Okay, that definitely helps. So it helps to have a relationship with the business owner. They know who you are. They know that you're a regular. They know you're not just some salesman, a pitchman coming in to try to get them to sign up for a thing that they don't really want. Uh, so that helps. But you know, it's it's a tough pitch to get a business owner to start accepting cr- a cryptocurrency when they honestly don't know what the demand is, when it's just you. If you're the only person who's ever, and maybe you aren't, maybe somebody else went in there two weeks ago and said, hey, can, can I pay with Bitcoin? Uh, but it, it definitely helps if you have more than one person who is a, a regular, somebody who is, you know, they, they know who also is interested because then they're doing something for more than one customer. It's just, it's hard to, as a business owner, and you probably know this if you're busy, you know, you run your own business, you're so busy. You don't have time to sit down and, you know, spend 10 minutes learning a new thing just because one customer wants to, you know, not pay with cash or a credit card or something like that. You Unless could, you're a daily customer. Right. You could also uh, point out to him that if, even if you're the only Bitcoin using customer right now, just how mainstream it's going and probably pretty soon a lot more of the population is going to be using it. Yeah. I mean, there is the speculative aspect of it. Um, that's definitely true. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I think it's great. If you can get this guy on board and he's he's willing to do it just for you, that does speak a lot to the relationship that you have with him. And so there's no reason why you shouldn't move forward with that. Have we answered your question, John? Yeah, absolutely, man. Just to give you a little bit more background, I go. there's a farmer's market I've been going to for eight years right mm-hmm. down the road. And this is where I go in the morning to get my cup of coffee. In the last eight years, I've had people pay with cryptocurrency three times. This year, it'll be substantially higher in New Hampshire. Sorry, what were you saying, John? This year, what? Since I started this year, I've had three times this year I've had people pay. Wow, that's cool. And you've got like a Bitcoin logo out or something like that, so people know, or are they just asking? Oh yeah, I got a little sign hanging up that says we take cryptocurrency and. And what cryptocurrencies are you accepting? Uh, I really promote pirate. Pirate, and are people using it? Uh, actually, I got two. The two this year paid in pirate. In Amazing! Nice. Wow! Yeah, congratulations. That's cool. I'm really glad to hear that. I didn't realize that it was that uh, that popular. Man, I wish I could find a beekeeper here selling local honey for crypto <laughs> because I've been looking for local honey. 
There you go, John. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. I think that's great. And and that's another reason you know to come up here, because the more people that we have in the community, the better off we all are. The Absolutely. More, the more cool it's, products and services that are available for crypto. I'm actually just kind of surprised that you haven't found a beekeeper in New Hampshire willing to take cryptocurrency. I think I haven't asked the right people. Ask Jay Noon. If anybody would know such a person, it would be him. I don't think she's found a beekeeper in New Hampshire yet, but she hasn't really looked. Yeah, so. I haven't tried that hard. Uh, so I, I guess that. I meant I've been wanting, not yeah. I've been looking. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because if you can find one, then yeah, it never hurts to ask. And it, even if you are just one person in a place, it certainly doesn't hurt to ask your regular places that you shop. The, the ones that aren't corporate. Corporate, you're going to waste your breath. Uh, but if it's you know mom and pop owned kind of business, it never hurts to say, hey, are you guys taking cryptocurrency like Bitcoin yet? And just see what they say. You know, it may be that they were they've been they've heard about it, but they never had anyone ask them. And the fact that you asked about it might make them take it seriously or make them spend the time to look into it. Or maybe you'll be the second person to ask about it and then they will look into it because they didn't the first time. You know, you never know. It never hurts to ask at the very least. It never does. 603-283-6160. But if you want to succeed, then you should gather together with like minded people in the same geographic area like we've done here in New Hampshire And no, don't try to redo what we've done in New Hampshire somewhere else. Just come to New Hampshire if you're a libertarian, if you're a voluntarist, if you're a liberty-loving anarchist, if you're a crypto anarchist. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want here at 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Whether you want to talk about recruiting businesses to accept cryptocurrency, that was our last caller. The crazy uh, situation there that's continuing to get worse in Australia. I want to weigh in on that real quick, though. Yeah, please. If you're passionate about using cryptocurrency and you're not in a place like New Hampshire where you have a lot more allies than that, I think your best course of action is actually going to be emailed to be to email major companies like Valve or, Hmm. you know, AT&T or whoever, because there's probably on a national level more people emailing AT&T than there are this guy at the coffee shop. You'll might have more luck trying to pull your weight emailing Walmart or someone else. That's a good point, yeah. Instead of trying to do local effort. Uh, We're going to continue, of course, with your calls and thoughts here and then more on the the crackdown that is happening as we speak in Australia uh, with the insane level of enforcement, helicopters, checkpoints, a police officer in New South Wales giving a televised press conference announcing thousands of police will be in the streets for what they're calling Operation Stay at Home. But first, we go to Major Payne. He's on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major Payne. Yes, welcome to Insanism. Old China Joe's done it for us this time, hadn't he? I don't know. What do you mean? Um, While I'm talking about the old the old Wuhan virus. This oh. thing is mutated three, four times already. 
Well, it's significantly uh, higher than that, as I just learned. The Delta Stream, it does have one of those coded letter number things. It's like 2A1B or some nonsense Mm. like that. So only some of them become coming out of Argentina right now. This is a fresh one. Mm. And uh, I I seek intelligent counsel, and I have done pretty good authorities. This thing is going to rock on through two or three more mutations. Why wouldn't it just keep going? We're going to be rolling with this old dog for about five years. So if we all decide to come or succumb to the uh, will of the state, we're we're just we're we're done for. Well, I agree with you on that one. I, I, I think five years is optimistic. I think coronavirus, uh, SARS-CoV-2, is going to be with humanity for the rest of our existence. Yeah. yeah why wouldn't it be that all the other SARS viruses are? Correct, and they're going to. I'm just talking about the mo- the rolling of the different mutations. Yeah, it's going to keep mutating in the same way that you know the first cold you got ain't the same as the last cold you got. Thanks for the call tonight, well, Major yeah. Payne. I appreciate it, man. Uh, 603-283-6160 in the same way the flu continues to mutate over time. And we didn't freak out about these things before. I'm not freaking about, out about this now, but almost everybody is for whatever reason about old people, COVID. Old people died from the flu all the time before. I remember, I young remember, people died from the flu and young people aren't really dying from COVID. In 2019, my friend got the flu like before COVID started and he was saying like, oh, I feel uh bad because I can't like, uh, go to my grandparents for house or something like that and i was just like why and he was like old people die from the flu and i was like oh wow i never heard about that but it was a it was already a thing and nobody was like uh you know friend to the friend that had you know the flu you need to you know co- like quarantine for yeah. two weeks you know you know stuff like that. that but it's been a curious study in the in the spread of fear because mm-hmm. fear has spread far better than the coronavirus has. Oh, I mean, fear yeah. has infected the entire world, and people are getting off on it. They love the fear now. And the state has been spreading along with it. Let's go back to the officer bragging about all the busts that they made overnight in New South Wales for people getting together, hanging out. Young people who aren't yeah. dying from this thing. Right. Significant police resources were used to break up uh, that gathering, and of course 31 infringements were issued. Eight infringements issued to people who thought that they could gather in a residence at Jesmond up near Newcastle. Ten infringements issued to a group of people who went to a, a barbecue lunch at Blacktown yesterday. The monsters! Would- what about my grandmother? <laughs> she wasn't lunch. there. Oh, that's right. She wasn't. She's yeah. nowhere near Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and if she were there, she probably wouldn't have been invited to the barbecue lunch. Or she could have declined. Yeah, and if she was worried about it, she could have made that choice for herself. I'd love to go to a barbecue lunch with my friends and family, but now is simply not the time. That's right. We get to say when the time is to eat barbecue. <laughs> it's been... <laughs> get that shrimp on the barbie. It's been 18 months, dude. 18 months of you trying to <laughs> to keep young people and you know middle-aged people locked up in their homes, unable to go to work and things like that. I don't know how delusional they have to be to believe that they can carry this on for any much longer period of time without seeing these sorts of activities in mass. If you think this is bad, wait till you hear the next video. Here we go. Um, we are we are faced with a situation with the Delta variant, variant I should say, that uh, spreads across young people. So it's particularly disappointing to see young people involved in breaches of the public health order. We now have a statewide lockdown across the state. We need 100... 100- Statewide lockdown orders. So now I don't know if that means all of Australia or just New South Wales, 
But it is no longer just a few neighborhoods as it was a month ago. They are locking the whole place down. Thousands of police officers. If you're just tuning in, that's the part of this video that you missed was in the last segment. He said thousands of police officers are joining the already existing military that is in the streets there to set up roadblocks all over the place. 100% of people to stay at home and comply with the orders. Not 90%, 100%. In terms of regional New South Wales, um, as I've said before... Emergency operations centres and emergency arrangements are up and running across local government areas in regional New South Wales. We are enacting plans that uh, were developed some time ago that we hoped that we would never have to use. Those plans Mm. have been designed for specific at-risk communities and we need everyone to abide by the public health orders but know that those emergency management arrangements, which include police, health and a cross-section of government agencies, are there to support you through this difficulty. Who is saying now... In uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco saying, hey, we need to do this vaccine mandate, this vaccine passport now so we don't have to close businesses later. Look, well, if any Lady Gaga stands are listening at all, they will remember that in May, um, I think it was May, maybe April, this video came out of Australians dancing in a club with no bar or no masks. Uh, to one of Lady Gaga's songs from her newest album called mm-hmm. Replay. And everybody was like, wow, I'm so jealous. Look, that looks so fun. Because they had locked down, they get to dance in clubs to replay. And like that, that video went everywhere. And that was always the caption. Like, oh my God, Australia locked down. I hate America because we didn't um, obey the government and we don't get to dance in clubs to replay. Now look. Yeah, now look. It's Their compliance is what put them in this spot. Mm-hmm. What concerns me is he talks about plans that they've had for a while that they were hoping they didn't want to implement, that they weren't going to implement. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control here in the United States, they have a plan on their website that's all about rounding up the the vulnerable parts of the population and and segregating them into away from the rest of society. So the CDC has one of these horrifying plans that they hope they never have to put in place. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that, but you're right about that. I was thinking about just the the fact that these politicians out in California, where they're now putting in the the vaccine mandates, uh, that are they're saying, oh well, we don't want to have to close down businesses. That's why we need to have the vaccine mandates in place. So you know, they they have the plan to close down businesses. That's what their plan is. Their plans are likely very, very similar to what's going on uh, in Australia. It's just they don't have the excuse for it yet. They want to put in the man or the uh, they want to put in the passports now to get those in place. That way, they can allow those people to have more freedoms when the more intense lockdowns come later on this year. And so it'll be even more of a push for people because right now they're saying, "Oh, well, you can go indoors, you can do things, you can do everything if you have the vaccine passport." In places like New York City and San Francisco. And then come this fall, when the lockdowns come back, then you'll still be able to do a little bit more. You won't be able to do everything that you used to be able to do because, well, you know, we have to lock people down. But if you want to be able to go to the gym, you'll be able to with the passport. Have you thought about why the news media isn't really covering the CDC's latest guidelines about masks and stuff like that? Because there hasn't been anything in the media about said guidelines. What, are the, what are the guidelines? I looked it up uh, on the CDC's website, just assuming that I can use a .gov site, right? Mm-hmm. And they're confusing as hell. Oh, yeah. There's no, it's no surprise that the media isn't talking about it because they don't make any scientific sense whatsoever. We'll continue here. Here's one that doesn't make sense. You can't remove your mask to drink outdoors in Australia. No, no joke. It's coming up.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want here. The number is 603-89... Oh, sorry. 603-283-6160. I've done that Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to pull up this next clip here because there was an advertisement in front of it, and I obviously don't want to play that. Um, This next clip from Australia... Now, this is the premier, premier Daniel Andrews. Now, What is a premier in Australia? I'm not sure. In fact, that's what I was just about to, uh, to check here. A premier, the, let's see, Daniel Andrews, the Victoria premier. So I presume that means Ooh. he's the head of the Victoria province, I, I think they're... The I understood provinces. it to mean that he signs his orders... His Excellency. <laughs> <laughs> Probably does. Uh, so I'm going to play this for you. It's Ian, Bonnie, and Aria in the studio. We just played a clip from New South Wales where a police officer was bragging about all the arrests. And the uh, in, uh, there was a term he used. Basically, they were like citations, but they, they used a different term. Infractions or something. <laughs> infringements, I think he called them. Uh, infringements that they were writing out for people that were doing things like hanging out. Young people who are not at risk of, you know, dying. Or, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And so he was bragging about that and how they're going to put thousands of police officers in the streets to create checkpoints and so on. And now here's a story from skynews.com.au with a clip of the Victoria Premier, Daniel Andrews. Here is what he has to say, and he is mad, mad, mad. Uh-oh. Hang on, this damn autoplay mute thing. Hang on a second. Let me back this up. Ask to drink hold a cocktail. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, All right, Daniel. You yeah, just, we got to hear this from the Hold your horses the, the, there, man. Uh, this is the most awkward play button here. The here we go. No removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath. On a, on uh, a, as part- <laughs> on a what? <laughs> <laughs> a beer garden. Oh, uh, a, I pop-up, said- a pop-up beer garden on a footpath. Okay, so this is someone who's still trying to sell alcohol because they've made them close their business. They're like, hey... Just open up a bar here on the sidewalk. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I thought you said bee garden. Yeah, it did sound like, it, there was no R. There was clearly no R that was uh, expressed, but that's what he meant, a beer garden. Uh, and now, I, what's not clear is whether you are allowed to actually go out and do things. So I'm guessing in Victoria province, maybe they're not as restrictive uh, as far as a total lockdown, like in New South Wales. But I'm not sure. I don't know what all the different states or provinces are in Australia, and I'm sorry I don't have a map in front of me right now. But let's go on with what he has to say, because you're not allowed to drink alcohol outdoors. So what about, like... What if you're by yourself? You, what if... Well, what, hold on. What, what about, about all the other drinks? Isn't it legal, is it yeah. legal to drink alcohol out, outdoors in public? On there? a footpath? Because that's not, as I understand it, that's not legal anywhere in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Before I started laughing about the weird way he said it, I forgot that I was wondering, wait, they're allowed to go out in public and drink alcohol? I thought they're locked in their homes. So Victoria includes, is a state that includes Melbourne, which is actually the state south of New South Wales. So this is a different state of Australia in this particular case. Let's go on. Part of a pub crawl. The VCGLR, and I understand Victoria Police, are looking at what occurred over the weekend at a number of licensed venues... There's being reviews conducted into the terms of those. Okay, so if they have licensed venues that are open, that means they're not in a total lockdown there. 
at this time. Let's go on. Licenses and whether any of those license holders have done the wrong thing. Again, that makes you angry, but why am I angry about that? Because it devalues the work that thousands of publicans and restaurant owners and bar owners, the good work that they're doing, diligently following COVID-safe protocols, providing takeaway. Take away, not (laughs) hang around and turn the footpath into a pub. Pubs are shut for a reason. Oh, I see what's going on. So they have takeout only, and Uh, some of these people are buying their food, and they're just turning around and having it in the grass or whatever. Yeah. uh, And he's upset. He's angry. Quote, that's what he says. He's angry about it. What's a publican? Is that a citizen, or is that the police? I assumed it was someone who owned a pub. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Uh, So, okay. So, in New South Wales, the state to the north, it's a total lockdown. You can't leave 100%. You're staying in your home. You can't go to work unless you work in a grocery store. What if the kangaroos take over? They are scary. The emus might. Didn't Australia fight a war against emus and lose? (laughs) What is an emu, anyway? It's like a giant bird, right? I think it's like an ostrich. I've never looked. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't wait to hear about the internet people I just made mad by comparing <laughs> an emu to an ostrich, but I think they're sort of similar. Have you ever seen the videos of kangaroos fighting? I have not. Oh, yeah, it man. looks just like an ostrich to me, maybe like a little bit more fur, blue face. You do not want to get into a fight with a kangaroo. Well, the Australian military lost a war against emus, so I don't want to get in a fight with them either. I tend not to get into fights with people, though, but yeah, certainly plan. not with, you know kangaroos so it's total lockdown in the state just to the north of where these people are they don't sound like they have total lockdown in melbourne or in victoria province but it sounds pretty intense with no businesses or no bars or whatever allowed to actually serve you in the bar you can take it out you can take it to go and then people are drinking along the footpaths but how is that the fault of the pub owners no once you serve them their food if they're not in your building that's that's the city's problem at that point so now he's saying if you're out on if you're out on the pu- the footpaths you won't be able to remove your mask to have a drink going on it's not safe for them to be open it's as simple as that so often the the, the poor behavior the poor choices of a small number of people they just devalue all the amazing work that so many more are doing Everyone else is so obedient. These people that just want to go out and have a good time and aren't worried about this little cold or flu, how how dare they devalue all of the obedience that we have in this province? Now, we all went through American education. Don't any of us, are we the only people who remember how screwed up and how immoral it was when the teacher would punish the entire class for two or three people talking? Everyone has had that happen. That's exactly, and we were all against it, and adults are still against it, but that's exactly what is happening here. That was something that could have turned me statist, because when I was in the third grade, that was the first year I went to public school, I was homeschooled before then, Mm -hmm. and I just remember so well, I was like, a good kid like I was smart and when the teacher was talking I wouldn't talk because I wanted to learn and stuff and other kids like especially the boys because they're all rowdy they would be talking and the teacher would like I'm not I'm not talking until everybody is quiet and, and we're having five minutes of silence and all this stuff and my brain would always just be like why am I in trouble I didn't do anything like I just want to learn and then have our you know actual time we get to talk it, it's not fair and that so would have turned you statist why I, oh, I remember looking at the sport on the wall and it had the rules and I was like it's so easy you just follow the rules mm. and then you don't have to do this if the boys would just follow the rules now. that's what people are saying about in you know new south wales and that's how they train people in san francisco and cities near you 
Uh, they certainly trained people because now, now, despite going through that and being against it, these adults are coming out in support of it. That's right. Yes, lock down the entire country because a, a portion of the population won't listen or is going out in public or having drinks or won't get vaccinated or whatever. Punish everyone. And you're right, Bonnie. The government schools are absolutely training, not for going to work or how to be an adult or anything like that. It's training for obedience and how to tell, you know, be told what to do and how to obey the your government masters when you quote unquote grow up. Well, the earliest lesson anyone has in school is going to be with the principal who is judge, jury and executioner. They they're yeah. told about this mythical land of the free where they have rights and there are checks and balances, but they grow up in large part in this environment where there's just one figure who's ultimately mm-hmm. in charge and if they that figure decides they're guilty that figure also gets to punish them and in in many cases write their laws as well so they grow up in dictatorships and they come out to society and they're like hey all of those freedoms and rights that we always talked about they don't notice that they don't actually exist because they were told they existed under that authoritarian regime that was the principle let's hear from more authoritarianism right now I want to give a shout out to our hospital industry who have done it very tough <laughs> these <laughs> last 18 oh, months <laughs> and and know and understand that we, we know as a community that the vast majority of people in that industry are doing the right thing. I just, again, appeal to everyone. Except for those darn doctors and nurses that won't take the vaccine. Isn't it interesting? The, the messaging has changed uh, about the heroes, right? Because a year ago, everyone in the medical field was a hero. But now we're starting to hear about doctors and nurses who don't want to take the vaccine. And so all of a sudden, there's a schism. Now there's the people who are the heroes because they're taking the vaccine. They're doing what they're told. But there's those other doctors that they just won't go along to get along. Yeah, it's so messed up in their their own worldview, like the authoritarians, their worldview, to punish the people who work through apparently the worst time to be working in the medical industry just because they won't do something to their body. All of body. them are being threatened right now. They're being told, you either get the vaccine or you will lose your job by October. That is happening. Hero or not. Right. That is happening across the board in the medical fields. We're hearing from them on the air and off the air. We'll see you tomorrow night at freetalklive.com. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more.